What would you tell someone if you if, if they said, I don't go to church, I just try to be the church? You roll your eyes. Okay. <laughs> heresy. Roll your eyes. Heresy. Okay. What does what, that mean? What else? Yeah. Maybe I'd probably say the same thing. Yeah. What, is what, what, is you, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't go to church. I just try to be the church. Which like if you weren't sorry. trying. What's that? What's the question? Sorry. What, what would you tell that person, or what would you want to tell them? Maybe, maybe there's some care that you could take in that question. Easy. Oh, there's Eric. Hey, Eric, how are you? Um, I would tell them what I wrote down last week is that from from notes is that you cannot be the church or you're not saved if you're not a church together. Okay. Okay. Something like that. Wait, okay. what's the context? <laughs> that was real meaningful. <laughs> 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 was real. Don't worry about the, the actual conversation. <laughs> Just the, the thought that the so thought. So because I because some people might consider that we don't go to church since we go to okay. our yeah. church. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. You might say, <laughs> so well, I don't either go to church. church. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I go to someone's house. I got you. Okay. I mean. Yeah. So so maybe there's so something. Like not going to church at all. You mean like you just never go meet yeah. believers? Yeah. Or how about how about this question instead? Um, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really a part of a church. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah. Austin, well, sorry, I you were going to say something right. Like, um, yeah, I think it's the first one. I don't go to church. I try and be the church. I would try and address like I think you're confusing the act of being the actions associated with faith or the works that show that faith is dead with go with church um, and that and the products that are shown to come out of what God has institutionalized within the church. So like, if you come together as a body, these things are to take place. You'd be confusing those products of gathering with actions that you need to fulfill as an individual. Okay. So like taking care of the needs of others is something that the church does when they come together. You would be saying, I, by being the church, you would take it upon yourself as an individual that I need to go be the church and take care of the needs of other random people that are out and about. Which, even though I don't think that's wrong or not something that Christians are called to do in a way, it wouldn't necessarily be being the church. Okay. Okay. So you, like, you just entered a like, detailed conversation. So you thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, detailed statement. Yeah. 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 How about just I'm a Christian. I'm not. I'm not really part of a church. I, I hear that all the time, right? Like that's that's super common. I I just it, usually it's somebody they got fed up with the church or hurt by the church or whatever, and that's so I just I don't really attend or I'm not really a part. But it's like I just I but I, I'm still a Christian. I'm still want to follow Christ. Oh. I actually do um, share how my life changed. Because sometimes I like, talk to people and say, I can't stand church. I don't like it. Yeah. I They were turned away for some reason. And, and I just share how my life is. If without having a church, how would it been like? So that's... That's cool. I love that, Olivia. Yeah. 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 You give a testimony to how God has used the church in your life. Yeah. Cool. Jesus calls us to be part of like how we're talking in the Ecclesia. And mm. it's like an assembly of people yeah. and so kind of like Olivia because I was like that too for a yeah. long time I didn't have the right community the right church and so I was like I'm a Christian but I'm not part of a church yeah. but when you're part of a church you just kind of become a better Christian because you're surrounded by people to support you and li like have fellowship with you and I feel like you okay. can be emboldened to be a better Christian yeah. Amen. Amen. So it's like like maybe God has designed it that way and it actually works out better for us, not just as a command, we have to do this, but it's going to be better. Yeah, I think it's part of it. It's kind of like being a daughter or a son or a mother or a father. It's like being that implies that you're a part of something. 
to, for me to just say, well, I'm just a daughter, but I'm not part of a family mm -hmm. kind of thing, is that doesn't make, they're meant to be a part of each other. Okay. So being a Christian implies that you're a part of this ecclesia yeah. inherently. Cool. Good. Yeah, so you all, a couple of you have used this word ecclesia. We talked about that last week. Um, and I, I said the, the um, maybe a one-word kind of definition of what a first-century hearer of the word ecclesia would understand ecclesia to mean is what? Gathering. Gathering or assembly. Yeah, that's, that's what it meant throughout the, the time of like the, the writing of the Greek translation of the Old Testament when Israel would gather together. That's what it meant through the New Testament, an assembly of people together for a purpose. Christians are, are saints, are God's people assembling together. Um, but that's the very word of ecclesia, this word that we read church in our English Bibles. Um, another word we talked about was fellowship, which is Greek word what? The Greek review? Koinonia. Koinonia. Um, and the, the kind of one word that I gave, do you remember last week, kind of a, a definition, because fellowship can be kind of vague too? Saints together. Okay, church is saints together. Fellowship being sharing. You're almost we, there. We share. That's the next answer. <laughs> I, I quick glance. <laughs> sharing. So, so fellowship is we have a share spiritually with one another in Christ. We have a share like socially with each other, and we also share our stuff together. That's all in this idea of koinonia in Scripture. And then the the Christian church we define or I define as saints together. Christians who are together. And not just together like um, we, we get together, but together in every sense of the word. Proximity, yes, we, we are together. We spend time together. We assemble together. Um, but together in, in life, we share our life together. We share our stuff together. Saints together um, might be a, a decent definition, I hope, of the church. Um, last week, we also talked about different ways that we identify ourselves. We identify as, as an individual, like my work, my personality, my hobbies. We identify with our family, some, some of us, a lot of us. I, this is my family. We identify with a people, whatever that means, whether it's a political party or whether it's a, a, a club or whether it's an ethnicity or whatever it is. That's another way that we identify people. Um, my identity as an individual and in all of those other things guides the decisions that I make. And as an individual, because of who I am, I do things for myself, I do things for, for my own good, what I think is right. Um, it's the basic instinct of humans and animals and everything else. I do, I do what, what, what serves uh, who I am. And today we're going to look at a new identity that we have as saints that reshapes that personal identification who I am. We're going to look, uh, starting this week through the next several weeks, of Scripture's three primary metaphors that it gives to describe the church. We're a body, the body of Christ, we're the family of God, and we're a temple of God, or a temple of the Spirit. And each of those things are unique. We use them as, um, as just uh, synonyms with the church sometimes. I need to be a part of a body. Well, this is my church family. Um, but they, each of those have their own kind of unique angle that are meant to tell us something specifically about what the church is. And tonight, I want to show how being a part of the body, the body of Christ, is how that reshapes our personal identity. Uh, we're going to look mainly in 1 Corinthians 1, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Um, the other places, or flip there, the other places um, that we'll look, if you want to turn there quickly, you can, but 1 Corinthians is where we'll be most of the time, 1 Corinthians 12. No surprise, talking about the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, and um, I'll, I'll tell you tonight, tonight isn't going to be so much explanation of this passage or, or even exposition of this passage uh, because the body analogy that Paul is setting forth here is 
understandable to us because we have bodies still in the 21st century. Where when we get to the, the analogy or the metaphor of that we're a temple, maybe there's a little bit more background that kind of needs to go into that. But as far as a body, like we all understand how the body works. And so it's going to be a little less of an explanation and a little bit more of an exhortation. Okay? Because we are we understand, I think, pretty simply what's what's going on in the passage. So God's saints together oftentimes in the Bible are um, are called the body of Christ. Oftentimes in the New Testament, God's people are called the body of Christ. Paul says in Ephesians, God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. Okay? The church is the body of Christ. Colossians, he is Christ is the head of the body, the church, Paul says. It's like a once one statement, the body, his body, the church. Same thing in Colossians 1.24. Paul says, in my flesh, I'm filling up what's lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. So there's kind of a one-to-one connection between Christ's church, or ecclesia, and his body. Or there's one-to-one connection between his Christ's body and the church. They go hand-in-hand. And maybe that speaks to the question at the beginning of, well, can you say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really part of the church. Well, if the church is the body of Christ, is, is it possible to be a part of Christ but not be a part of his body? Uh, before kind of looking at our, our togetherness in the body, I want to um, look at our togetherness with Christ himself. Okay, And I want to kind of ask the question, how close can we possibly get to Christ? Or how close can we possibly be with Christ? Um, 1 Corinthians, actually turn to chapter 6 first. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. Um, how close can we get to Christ? I This is going to be, um, it, this might get a little bit uncomfortable, Um in Paul, some of Paul's language, Paul isn't writing the Corinthians, frankly, to just make them feel comfortable and commend them on everything that they're doing. So he's telling them things that are going to kind of shock them out of their foolishness. Um, and he's addressing in these chapters the sexual immorality of the people in the church in Corinth. Um, he says, and specifically sleeping with prostitutes, that's what they're dealing with. Verse 15, chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? And we're going to talk in a a few minutes about being members together of of Christ's body. But for now, just to answer the question, how, how close can I possibly be with Christ? He answers it this way. You are a member of Christ. Members doesn't mean members like a social club I'm a, a member of this club member that Greek word whatever it is means body part you're a member of Christ okay Keely don't make that face thanks to the Halloween store <laughs> they have these. I was going to say I, I was wondering if that was a Halloween decoration <laughs> or this a sermon Chelsea Either Jared, Frank, Halloween decorations, Frank, or sorry. So that's good. So, so we are we are members of Christ. So when when somebody hears this from Paul being addressed to the assembly, you're you're members of Christ. They're hearing like a, a body part, like a a, a a piece of his body or a limb. You're like you're like a foot, or you're you're a member of Christ's body. That's pretty close. How close can we get to Christ? You're a piece of his body, is what Paul says. Um, Verse 15, don't you know that your your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never, he says. That's the strongest no you can say. Meganoito. Never. When you are a, a member, a part of the body of Christ himself, 
then giving yourself in sex to a prostitute is like connecting Jesus' body, which you are, with a prostitute. Never. That's horrifying. That's awful to consider. Or, verse 16, uh, maybe to say it another way, do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. If you think about it, the, the closest possible way you can unite with another human, someone in a physical sense, is this one flesh relationship called sex. And one flesh in scripture is referring to not less than a sexual uniting of, of two people together. And so in kind of an uncomfortable, almost sexual way, Paul is describing just how close we are to Christ by using this marriage analogy, and he's saying, don't sleep around, you're already married to Christ. And he's like, you know how two people become one flesh in marriage? It's like that, but it's even closer and even more so because we're not talking about the physical body, but verse 17 says, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. One breath with Christ when you're united to him. It's not just a physical thing. That's as close as humans can get together. It's a spiritual thing that we are in Christ. It's closer even than that physical act of marriage. You're, closest, you're closer to Christ than the closest possible way you can relate with somebody in a physical sense. And there's another way elsewhere in Scripture that we're described in our closeness to the body of Christ. Paul says a little bit later, a few chapters in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, the cup of blessing that we bless, talking about communion, is it not participation in the blood of Christ, or koinonia in the blood of Christ? The bread we break, is it not koinonia in the body of Christ? The cup, here, here's what Paul's saying, the cup, represents Christ's blood, and we drink it. And the bread represents Christ's body, and we eat it. We ingest that into ourselves. Jesus says it more directly in John 6. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Now that, if you think about it, could make people uncomfortable. That's cannibalism, right? But if you, if you think about it, um, like, the, like the sex act, Paul and Jesus aren't talking about this physical thing, but spiritually speaking, that this is how much we are in Christ, and this is how much Christ is in us. Like we can't possibly be any, any closer in connection, in unity with somebody. How can we possibly, or how close can we possibly get to Christ? Well, the answer is a part of his very body. Like, you can't, you can't get any closer. You, yourself, as an individual in Christ, are now he, himself. And that's your new identity. Um, if you remember, I said last week, when you come to Christ, when we come to Christ, our identities are foundationally kind of altered. You had an individual identity before you came to Christ, myself, and Paul ends the section of 1 Corinthians 6 by saying, you are not your own anymore. You are in Christ. Your identity has been redefined. You're in Christ now. You're a member of his body. Your body is not just your own now. So that's, I mean, that's a little segment of, of how we are in Christ, as close as possible, united with him. So I think some people think, well, thank you, Lord, I'm in Christ. Maybe I can get by without the church. Right? So we were asking at the beginning. Well, later in 1 Corinthians, um, and in Romans, and in Ephesians, Paul extends the body of Christ analogy, or the metaphor, by talking about the body parts and how they operate together. Okay? Um, so if, if you're a member of Christ, and I'm a member of Christ, then what does that say about us? But that we're members 
of one another, or we're members together if we're both in Christ. We're together. We're different parts, but the same body if we're in Christ. I mean, it's just a picture that we can kind of think about. That makes sense. And I think in a way, we could say we are not our own. We are Christ, and we are each other's. We are one another's. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, where I said we, we land most of our time. Um, verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It goes back to what I was saying last week. To be the church, to be saints together, you, you have to be saints to begin with. So we, we're, we, we drink, have drunk of that same spirit. Verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Okay, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So what's going on here? If you had to like step outside of the metaphor of the feet and the hands and whatever, what, what does this kind of thing sound like if we were to say it in, in real life? These kind of statements. Because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body. Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. How might that come out in, our, in the non-metaphorical language? It's like saying you're, I'm, I'm a Christian, you say, but I don't, I'm saying, I'm, how I say it, but if someone's saying church, but no, I don't go to church, I don't need church. I am a Christian, but I don't, I don't need church, kind of thing. That's how I'm taking it. Okay, if I, I'll, I'll probably apply it like that. Okay. To me, it sounds kind of like how we uh, rank Christians mm-hmm. in the sense of like, oh, well, the super Christians are like the missionaries mm-hmm. and the pastors and people in that are vocationally. Yeah. Christians, yeah. and they're kind of like the important body parts. Well, I'm, and I'm not one of those, so I don't matter as much. Yeah, yeah for sure. You guys ever feel this, or have you, have you heard people say something along those lines? Mm-hmm. I think the, the senior pastor kind of model of church. Uh, kind of can contribute to this, where um, where people might begin to feel like, well, I I'll never be like the preacher or the pastor or whatever. Um, I'm not going to commit my I, I can't commit myself to full time ministry, so I'm not um, I'm unimportant. Or I'm never going to do the radical things that that missionary does. So I you know who who am I? Um, maybe some. Some other versions of that is, well, I'm, I'm never going to make as much money as these people, and so I'm never going to be able to contribute to the church in the way that those people contribute. Sounds like a sign of manipulation to yourself. It could be even taken in the aspect as the other half stepping in and confusing you on where you belong, as far as Satan trying to confuse you. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's belittling your, your mm-hmm. place in, in the Bible body um, we experienced this in our church here I think when um, when we were when we had two fellowship groups and we had some we called essential roles of the fellowship groups there was like four and in each fellowship group there was a facilitator and a host and an administrator and a spiritual overseer which I think we'll continue to do if we have multiple groups something like that um, but you could feel in that well I'm not one of those particular roles that we've identified and named so-and-so is going to do this, so I guess I guess I don't have uh, a part here. Um, it might sound like I'm not good enough, I am not needed, I'm not important, the church could do without me, any of these things are the foot saying I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body. But what Paul's trying to just make clear here, again this is just up front, it's not like we have to dig deep into the text and understand the language and all this. Paul makes it clear no matter what your role in the church body, you can never say that you are unimportant. You're not important. No matter what your role is. 
nobody might even see your role. We have body parts internally that nobody ever sees the liver doing its function. But if we didn't have a liver, we'd be messed up. I don't think you can live without a liver, can you? Is that one of those no. things like a spoon? <laughs> you can live without a kidney, but mm-hmm. I so if you're a kidney in the church body, we can do without you. So that's the one example. <laughs> um, but, but why is that the case? Like, why can we not say that we're not important? Well, verse 17 says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What's Paul saying? You don't have to look a certain way or be in a a certain role, maybe a prestigious kind of upper role on the church staff to be imperative to the body. It's really easy to see church staff as the main body parts in a church, I guess depending on maybe how you grew up. but if you think about your pastor, your pastor growing up or your pastor now, can you imagine if everybody in the church were that person? <laughs> uh, that would be horrible. <laughs> Mary Beth would love it. <laughs> I want to marry all of you. <laughs> we don't no. sing, we're dying. That's the, that's the weakness of churches that I've been a part of when if there's a leader that tends to be, man, this is the person that, that is, is the go-to, that calls all the shots that everybody looks to to say this is, this is the main body part of the church. That's a weakness in that church. It's, it's one person being glorified and everybody starts to look like that person. It's great for that person's strengths and the whole church has those strengths maybe or can lead towards that, but... But that person also has weaknesses that everybody's trying to be like, and so the whole church has those weaknesses as well. We've seen that before. Um, when we were at a church in Nashville, they had two kind of co-pastors that were kind of the senior oversight of the church, and even with two, we could see in that church, everybody in the church either looked like a Lloyd or a Jeff. Like, they were, they were one or the other. They just take on the personality of that person. Um, eventually, they, they went into, I think, a five-person kind of leadership team. And I think in many ways, though it's, it's harder from an organizational level, in many ways, I feel like that, that was actually healthier. We, you got to see a variety of giftedness. You got to see people following the example of different people who are strong in different things. Um, another kind of example of this if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? When Mary Beth and I lived in, in Nashville, um, we you know, were musical and we would lead worship growing up in our churches. Well, in Nashville, there is no shortage of worship leaders. Like, you go to Nashville or, or Atlanta or one of those places, it's like every Christian there wants to be a worship leader, I think. And, or at least meet Chris Tomlin, who can kind of rub off on them to make them a worship leader. And what we felt like was, what we determined after some time is, what are we doing here? Like, everybody is, let's say a worship leader is the elbow of a, of a church. It's like we were in Nashville, and there was a bunch of elbows all together, like piling up on top of each other, getting frustrated with each other, because everybody was just the same. They're elbowing each other. <laughs> And it was, it was frustrating. It's like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. That's actually a weakness of that group of people is that they're all the same. Well, praise God, we're not all the same. Praise God, you're not all like me. Um, and don't desire to be a part, a member of the body that God hasn't made you to be. And celebrate that somebody else is that thing. Without you, to go back to the metaphor we wouldn't be able to hear or smell or one of these other critical activities that somebody else is not good at. And those things are pretty important. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, this is kind of a different perspective, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So what's going on here? Again, jump out of the metaphor. What's, what's this sound like? I don't like you, and I'd rather you just leave because I don't need you. 
Okay. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, y'all never felt that? No. <laughs> I'm such a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring us into that. <laughs> the eye can't. The eye can't say to the hand, "I have no need of you." How? What else? What's that sound like in our non-metaphorical language? Just people tend to think. I think that, just like you said, the the importance of things in the church. You know, if you give a person a reason, or you give people a reason to think they're better than somebody else. In certain levels, they don't they'll think that. Okay. And I think it's easy to just start believing that, like, well, I can, like, you know, it's not like a good thing or a bad thing. She's like, I'm, I can operate without you. Like, yeah. it's, like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm going to take you or leave you. I'm, I'm ambivalent to you. Yeah. Yeah. I can cut that off. It's like yeah. not recognizing everyone's worth. Mm-hmm. Which I think is like really important how we encourage people on Sundays to, and like encourage them to really contribute to the church in their special way because everyone has that and yeah. there are so many ways that I can't be or do the things that other people in the body do mm-hmm. and yeah. so it's the same thing like yeah. I might not be a foot but I can be you know like a hand or something. Yeah. It kind of comes to mind it's not necessarily in regards to like giftedness but um I actually a lot of my close close friends are introverts and I'm like a massive extrovert so (laughs) I've just heard so many stories of introverts who feel like they just get totally lost in the church because the extroverts are the ones that are like dominating the church experience and so and oftentimes extroverts do a pretty terrible job of celebrating introverts just because they're like well why don't you just like be like us and and that's something I've struggled with in our marriage and my some of my best friends yeah. my, my best friendships and like my life is so enriched when I like actually sit down with an introvert and like really like hear like the deep well of thoughts and process that they yeah. have and like I'm challenged in ways that I never would be just hanging out with all the extroverts but mm-hmm. I don't know how that uh, applies necessarily because it's yeah. not talking about giftedness but just like temperament and personality yeah I, I think um, that's very much part of it yeah yeah. yeah, it's easy for me to look around and say, well, the, extro- the extroverts, the people that I see, like, talking and, and being verbal about things, they're the ones doing the ministry, and the other people, uh-huh. it's like, do we really need them? They just kind of don't really talk to anybody when maybe they're yeah. praying for something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, we definitely need the introverted people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe this is somebody thinking to themselves, well, what do you, what do, you do for the church? Or, or what you do is so small. You just watch the kids sometimes. Well, I don't even have kids, so what good is that? Chop that off. Don't need that. <laughs> um, oh, so you you kind of welcome new people when they come in the door. Oh, that's cool. That's that's very little. Or, oh, I, like the way that you contribute is you bring a home-cooked meal to the, the potluck. Okay, that's cool. That's kind of little. Um, you just try to show up consistently. Eh, that's, what's that really doing for it? For the church body, or you think, man, I don't see you doing this. I don't see you serving. I don't see you taking somebody to the airport. You probably don't even tithe. All these things. <laughs> wow. All, wow. Paul is making. Paul is making it clear that no matter what my role in the body, I can never say that you're not important. So at first he said, I can never say I'm not important, and secondly he's saying, I can never say that somebody else is important. The, the, Head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Can you imagine like a head saying, hey, this foot, uh, this is no good. We'll do it And then it's like, oh, cool. Now you have a really smart body that can't walk. So you just discarded a key piece to your body. Um, so here's kind of what Paul's doing here. He's addressing the insecure in the body of Christ, and he's addressing the over-secure or the prideful in the body of Christ. And he's saying, don't think too lowly of yourself amongst the rest of the body parts, and don't think too highly of yourself among the rest of the body parts. And probably you need to hear one or the other of those today. Um, Don't think too lowly of yourself, or don't think too highly of yourself. Do you think to yourself, 
well, what good am I? Why, why do I need to come on Sunday or why do I need to come to this or be involved in this way? I'm not even going to be noticed. People won't know that I'm there. I don't know that I have anything to contribute. Man, everybody else seems to be so involved and everybody else seems to be so helpful. And I feel like a hindrance. And I don't even know what my place is here in this body. So why do I even need to be around? Is that you? Or are you the person that says, what good are they? What are they even contributing? Uh, that's so little what they're doing. And I can do this thing without those other people. I can do it myself. And Paul says, no, no, no. All of these things are needed, all are important, and God has designed the body this way. Don't think too lowly of yourself, don't think too highly of yourself. Um, I'm guessing that probably in our culture, um, and most, like a millennial kind of heavy church, uh, most of us probably need to hear the latter. Don't look down on others because they're not like you, um, because we think pretty highly of ourselves. If I can include myself in the millennial uh, bracket, um, Paul actually is writing these body passages to address that arrogance. I don't need the body. He says in the in the Romans 12 passage, which is very similar, talking about different members of the body of Christ. He says, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. He says in verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another. He says, I'm telling you this so you don't think too highly of yourself. We don't all have the same function. It's easy to look down on somebody else because they're not doing exactly what you're doing so well. And I've got a surprise from Paul for you tonight. They're not supposed to be doing exactly what you're doing so well. They're going to be called to do something else and something different. There was somebody that visited our church a while back that um, they... Uh, in conversation with them, I quickly realized their passion and, and what they were just gung-ho pursuing in life as a Christian was to care for the poor of other countries specifically. Their kind of take was, man, we have so much wealth in this country, and if we really want to care for poor people, we don't need to do that here. We need to do that in Africa or South America or whatever. We need to, we need to go out and do that. And I thought to myself, talking to them, that's awesome. Like, that's a great passion. That's a, if you actually do something toward that end, that's a great body part that you provide. Like, we could actually use that body part in our church. That would be really great. But what I found out was that when they found out that our entire church, every one of us, aren't quite so passionate about that exact same thing and aren't doing those exact same things to alleviate that poverty that they are doing, they wrote us off. Right? Well, that's, you're not doing the right things. Why? Because not everybody was the same part as them. They didn't realize that what they were going to bring to the church or potentially could bring to the church was unique. The members don't all have the same function, so that would be perfect. Great, we can use you in that way. And I think they thought more highly of themselves than they ought to think. By the way, who are we offending, really, when we say, I have no need of you? Nice. Yeah, it, it's, maybe that probably offends that person uh, to begin with, but... By saying that, I mean, look at verse 18 if you're still in 1 Corinthians 12. As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Earlier in the chapter, in verse 11, he says, All of these gifts and body parts, they are empowered by one and the same Spirit, the Spirit of God, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So saying to somebody in the body of Christ, I have no need of you, is kind of a slap in the face to God who distributed the body parts exactly as he saw fit to create this body of his son, Jesus Christ. I have no need of you and you. All right. Verse 4. Verse 4 of 
1 Corinthians 12. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service. I know I'm bouncing around in 1 Corinthians 12, but go with me. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. All sorts of things that God gives to us that we're good at. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Here's the term I want to consider. For the common good. The Spirit apportions to each individually as he wills for the sake of the common good. Now this really, this idea of the common good, this really talks about our identities. We're going to come back to our identity, our purpose. It informs us that our identities as individuals have changed now in Christ. Our purposes in Christ have now changed. Paul's saying what you have been given by God, spiritual gifts, ways of serving, talents that you have, I think he's trying to lump everything in there, anything that God has made you particularly strong in, what you have been given is not for you, it's for us. It's for the common good. Come to Christ, okay, you're no longer you for your sake. You're you for our sake. When you identify as the, the body of Christ, as a member of Christ, however we identify, we make decisions out of that identity. And those decisions now, or that identity has been reshaped in the body of Christ. And now your part, your, your member, your function is for my good, and my part is for your good, and it's all for the common good. And if you think about it, it's cool. The, the body, an idea of a body, a picture of a body, is a perfect analogy for this sort of thing. The eye tells the foot, hey, here's where you can step safely, and then the leg picks up the foot and it moves it to where it can step, and then you can move your body with those steps and so that your arm can take your hand to reach out to grab food, and then your hand can put the food in your mouth so that it can be ingested and passes by your taste buds so everybody can enjoy it. All these different things are all connected, the foot bones connected to the whatever. <laughs> and it's, it's just the perfect analogy, and if you think about it, you by yourself are, are this, it's... It's, it's no good. Your gift by itself is, is just like, what is a foot going to do? Is a foot going to serve itself? It doesn't accomplish anything by itself. It's just a foot. It doesn't serve itself. Somebody, I, I think, like I could hear the, um, the culture shouting at us things like, well, aren't I supposed to love myself for who I am? And aren't I supposed to take care of myself and make sure that I'm that I serve myself first and that I serve my own good first? And aren't I supposed to do what's best for myself? And if you think about the body analogy, that doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> what's a foot going to do that's best for itself? I guess maybe keep, keep good cuticles down or whatever. But the, the foot is meant to serve the body. Sorry, I don't know the manicure, pedicure language. But the foot is meant to serve the body. Or I can hear like I can hear the culture saying, well, aren't we supposed to celebrate our individuality? And I, I should celebrate and make much of the things that make me me. Okay? You've heard these sentiments before. Don't hear me wrong on this, okay? God's word isn't saying, don't be yourself. God's word is saying, you be you, or you do you for us instead of for yourself it's remember last week i said all of the identities that we have the our personal identity our family identity it's not that those things when we come to christ they're just completely erased they disappear but they're changed they're reshaped so now it's it, it's not like myself as an individual as as a family my people it's not like those don't matter but God has reshaped these purposes for the common good of the rest of the body instead of just doing these things for myself. So you thought that all these cool things that you're able to do, you should take advantage of them for yourself and your career and your money and your vacation and your retirement. But nope, these things that you've been given are actually for the common good of the body of Christ. You are no longer you for your sake, you're you for our sake in the body of Christ. And so hear me on this, like, like 
Remember this if you can. Me being me for me puts me on display. Right? Me being me for me puts me on display. Me being me for us puts Christ on display. Does that make sense? Me being me for me puts me on display. Me being me for us puts Christ on display. And y'all, that, I think that should bring relief to us. Like you don't have to build yourself up and make much of yourself and make yourself look good. Our, that's not our goal in this life, but to make Christ look good. And so, yes, I'm to be myself as an individual, as God has designed me uniquely, but for the sake of us and for the common good and building up together, as we'll talk about in a minute, into the head, which is Christ. Me being me for me puts me on display. Me being me for us puts Christ on display. By the way, um, what I've found, maybe you can agree, maybe you found this to be true, people who put themselves on display for their own unique kind of individuality, look at me, are usually the most insecure people I know. And they're people that you don't want to be around because they think so highly of themselves and they're trying to display that. <coughs> but people who put Christ on display and, and, and to do that, shine in their own unique giftedness but then let other people be strong in what they're good and not try to top them and be better than them in those things. Like those are the people that we, that we cling to and we want to be around because they help me and I help them and that's how God has designed it. So... We, as, as saints, have a, a new uh, body in Christ, and we are not our own. And we are now, as, as individuals, we are now in Christ, as close as you can possibly be to Christ. You are his body. And because of that, if we are all part of Christ's body, that necessarily means we are members one of another, uniquely designed each of you for the sake of the body. And this is a new identity. I love um, when Paul talks about this uh, body of Christ identity in Romans 12. It is preceded a few verses by Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So he literally tells them, you're going to put your life up on the altar. You're a, a living, I shouldn't say literally, but you're a living sacrifice. You're saying, this, this is my life. I give it all to God. And then verses later, he's talking about your body. Oh, now you're, you're the body of Christ. So uh, the, one of the first questions I asked, am I a, I'm a Christian, but I'm not part of the church anymore. Um, I hope you can see that that just that doesn't make sense. In fact, if you were part of, um, if, if you were cut off from the church and you thought, well, I'm just going to be a body part by myself, it doesn't look like this. Get ready, Halloween. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's this, right? Because if, if you are severed, I'm glad it's like post October 31st. This is on good, good price. But seriously, is that where the tithe money went? This is thirteen dollars of your tithe. But think about it, like I bring this out because I want you to get this picture in your mind, like like a a, a foot that's that's disconnected from the body. Like sometimes we do, we have different body parts. We think, well, it's a church if we just throw everything together in a big heap, and well, that's the church. But no, like if, if it's not, if you're not being utilized, if you're not serving, if you're not playing your unique role in the body, and if you're saying, oh, I can just do without this other person, I cannot be connected, then you're going to mold and corrode, and you're, you're, you're not connected to the, the lifeblood of Christ, and you're going to look like some nasty appendage that's just been thrown out and is decaying. It rots. For those who are listening to the podcast, I'm holding a nasty... Uh, Real, real rotten foot. Real rotten foot. <laughs> and we can all smell it in the room right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask what we got. But I hope, like, I want, like, I want you to think when you're thinking about, well, I'm just going to go off and do my own thing and not really connect to a church. I want you to think about this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
By the way, you can be this and still attend a church, okay? You can be in a church service and I think look like this. Mm -hmm. If you're not utilizing, if you're not an active member tied to the joints and ligaments and lifeblood of the church. So, why, why should we even do this? Why be the body of Christ? Uh, this, is, this is one of the, I, I think, as best as I can tell, one of the three primary metaphors in the New Testament, like I've been saying this, of, of who the church is, of who God's people are. I think it's the top two. I think body and, and uh, family take the cake. Why is it better to operate this way? I love, again, to bounce around, but at the end, or, or later in this chapter, in verse 26, Paul says this, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know when you have a toothache, and it's like that little part in your body, and it, you feel it, you've got a headache because of it, and your neck hurts, and even somehow it's like shooting pain through the back of your leg and your foot, right? Because you have a toothache. That's, that's how it, it should be. That's how it should feel as the body of Christ. We're, we're one body. When one part hurts or is unhealthy or is grieving or whatever it is, we should all, in a sense, feel that. Have you all experienced that before? Like outside of the metaphor? I know you've experienced it too, think. Maybe we don't experience that enough, um, and that's, like, if we don't experience that, that's just saying, hey, we've got a lot of growth to have as the body of Christ, that we would actually feel the pain and the joy and the sorrows of, of one another. Um, the, the more we operate at, as individuals in dependence on each other, as members of one another, I think we've, we feel those things when they're happening in other body parts, so to speak. I think we're growing in this. I think we have certainly much room to grow in that. And it's it's the grace of God. Like, do you want to mourn and rejoice by yourself? You you want to do that, I hope, with other people. And God beautifully designs the church body so that we can actually live that out. So let's let's grow together and grow up in this. Uh, but there's also another goal. Um, or, or a reason why this is it's, it's good to operate in this way. Um, you guys remember a year or two ago when um, Josh Walker and Spencer McCush came and they taught a story of God, kind of four-week series. Um, they talked about, uh, what did they say is our primary um, occupation or our primary vocation as Christians? Image bearers? Image bearers, perfect. Good memory. We're image bearers. And we, it, you don't have to look hard to find, hey, God wants to show himself. He wants to show his glory in this world. And if you think about it, he does that really well in the actual person of Jesus living among us. He shows who he is. And then Jesus leaves the earth, and he still wants to display himself. And not long after that, the apostles are calling us the body of Christ. And Christ is not physically here with us. So how will I best fulfill, to go back to the story of God series, how will I best fulfill my primary vocation? It's by bearing the image of God, looking and acting like Jesus to display the glory of God to people around me. Well, how will I, as an individual, act and look most like Jesus? It's together with his church, which is his body. That's how we'll look like Christ. Um, Ephesians 4, the other top passage talking about the body of Christ, says that the, the body is being built up until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Listen, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I'd love to talk, teach through that whole passage some point, but did you notice these, these words in it? Um, mature, the, the stature, the fullness, no longer children, but grown up, building up. Our goal is, is maturity to what end? Until the body looks most like Jesus. That's what we're aiming, that's what accomplishes our goal as image bearers, to look like Christ, Christ's likeness. That's what Paul tells the Galatians. He says, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, discipling you, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling over your faith and your growth and your, your maturity. He says, until Christ is formed in you, he says. Like, that's my goal for you, Paul says to the church, that Christ would be formed in you, that you have Christ-likeness. Well, how is that going to happen? According to Ephesians, when each part is working properly. And we, we can't look like the fullness of Christ when everybody's not doing their individual parts to make it happen. So check this out. My Christ-likeness, to some extent, depends on your Christ-likeness. Or for me to look like Christ, it's going to take your involvement in my life to help me to do that, or our involvement together to properly display who Christ is. I can't look fully like Christ without you, and you can't look fully like Christ without me. You guys see in this body analogy the importance of being together. Like that's the that's the church is this idea of together. And there's a lot at stake here when it's talking about showing the who Christ is to this world. You can't do it alone. It happens together. And that's why we're calling the church saints together. So I want to break this down. I want you guys to start to look around the room, okay, at the other people in the room. And you're going to have to do this for the next minute or two, okay? Every once in a while you're going to make eye contact and you're going to feel like, man, this is super awkward. I just looked at this other person. Okay. So, so these people that, that you're looking at, it's going to be too distracting. Okay, it's too much. We can't handle it. So look, look back at me. We're so immature. I tell, I, I tell us to do that sometimes, or I used to. I haven't said it in a while, but at Cornerstone Church, I used to say this, like, tell the church. As we sing songs together and worship, a lot of the uh, lyrics are to each other. We say, praise the Lord. I'm not actually saying that to God. I'm saying that to somebody else. I'm like, we should tell each other that and look at each other as we're singing. But man, that freaks people out. <laughs> 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 Try that on the subway in New York. Oh, <laughs> yes. So, okay, so the, the people that, that you just made eye contact with, the people in this room, the people that you see on Sunday, I wonder, do you think you need that person? Or do you think they might need you? So consider this, when, when you see somebody else in this room or when you see somebody else in this kind of local expression of, of the body of Christ, you may be looking at somebody who plays the following roles. You may be looking at somebody who invites people into their home and to live with them when they have nowhere else to go because their part of the body of Christ is hospitality and mercy. You might be looking at somebody in our church who gives a huge chunk of their hard-earned income to meet the needs of the church because their body part is generosity. That may not be your body part. You might see people in this church who, who welcome somebody new as they come in the door and strike up a conversation with them because they're, they're part of the body is, is just this spirit of, kind of kindness toward other people. You might see somebody who, who gives up sleep and good things in order to be with the church by reading through the Bible together with us and is ready to engage them in conversations about what they're reading. You might be looking at somebody who, and, and these things are happening among us, you might be looking at somebody who gave $500 to another person in the church to help meet their medical expenses because they couldn't do so. Because their part of the body is, is generosity and maybe mercy. You might look at somebody that 
Maybe they don't make it as consistently to the gatherings, but somebody who day in and day out is sharing the gospel with their coworkers. Because they're part of the body, they're, they're an evangelist, they're the mouth, so to speak. You might be looking at somebody in this room who prays, and maybe they pray a lot more for you than you pray for them. That might be the part that they're playing. You're looking at people in this room who meet with other people in this room for hours of discipleship regularly because maybe they have a, a gift of, of, of pastoring. Maybe that's their role. You're looking at people in this room who, who, who pass on good other leisurely or, or money-making opportunities in order to be present with us here in the church gathering. You might be looking at people who purposely didn't stay up late the night before so that they could be more present in conversation when they're actually together with people in the church. You might look at somebody who stays late after a Wednesday night or after a Sunday and spend hours listening to and pouring into the needs that somebody has as they, as they listen to that person and minister to them. Y'all, these are all needed parts of our church. And I'm sorry, but, but you don't do all of those things well. You, you do up one, two, three, maybe you do some of those things. But those are all needed parts that somebody in this church is filling. Now, like that's not meant to make us like feel competitive or, well, I serve more than you serve and I attend more or I give more or whatever it is. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying this just to point out we don't all have the same function in Christ. The Spirit has given us different things to participate in for the common good, for the sake of each other. And your maturity as your body part is different than my maturity as my body part, and only as we both mature will the body then mature together and grow up to look more like Christ. So, um, two, yeah, two walkaways that I, I want you guys to just consider. And we're going to spend one more week on this, on body, body metaphor next week. The first thing is I would ask that you just consider... That, that you would know your part and use your part. That's all, number one, okay? Know your part and use your part. Um, I'm a big, I'm not hung up on the exact lists of scripture. Like there's some lists that kind of repeat some things of spiritual gifts and different ways that we can serve and different roles of leadership and stuff. I don't, I mean, if you want to get hung up on that, fine, pick one of those, but whatever God has given you that you excel in, Know what those things are and use them now, not for yourself. That's what we do before Christ, but use them for the sake of the common good. And when you when you look around our, our church, remember, not only do you need them, but they need you. You're a part of the body like they are. Um, some don't know, like, well, I don't know how God has designed me to fit into this church body. I'm not sure what that looks like. Um especially in an unconventional church like this where we don't have like set roles that you can sign up for, usher and children's ministry and these things. Um, but let's, let's discover that together. That's what we do when we encourage each other on Sunday. We're saying, here are the things that I see in you that you're especially strong at, that God has given you, that the Spirit has apportioned to you to use for the common good. So use it and grow in that. And we need that as a part of our body. God seems to think that we need it because he's given us you. At the family vacation this weekend, we're going to spend a little bit of Saturday morning just talking about, like, we're going to pick each person in the room and, and the few that aren't with us as well and say, hey, well, just off the top of our head, how, how are the ways that this person is maybe gifted to serve our body? And we're going to put them up on a picture of body and just kind of have a little fun to say, what, you know, let's discover these things together, um, how God has designed us. So just, like, ask yourself the question right now. What body part am I, or, or parts? And am I doing that function? And some of you need to be challenged to actually be your part, or to do your part. God has given you something to serve this church the common good with. <coughs> and it's tiring when other body parts 
that aren't your body part are trying to make up for your body part because you're not engaged in the way that you ought to be. And when you're not doing what God has designed you to do, the whole body suffers, and we feel that. And when you don't show up, and you say, well, I'm not important, I'm not a hand, I'm not an eye, that's Paul is teaching against that. He's saying, yes, you are. There's a role that you play. So if the body of Christ, if it's one of the primary metaphors of Scripture used to describe God's people, I think this should be on our mind and, and fill our time is how we, how we utilize that identity. Because me being me for me puts me on display, but me being me for us puts us on display. So if you're a member of this body, then I'd encourage you guys to, to know your part or discover what your part is if you don't know and to use that. Hopefully we can have more conversation about that. And then just secondly, quickly, affirm the role of other people in the church. Verbally tell each other, because we're not used to operating like this, unfortunately, this body analogy is, it just escapes us a lot of times. So go out of your way to tell people, this is a way that God has really used you to serve me, to serve other people in the church. I would encourage you to continue to do so. Maybe you could even do, you know, take, take, take on this because I see this good thing in you that you haven't even taken advantage of yet. Tell each other these things. Maybe you can even tell, like, do this. Tell one person before you leave tonight. Just pick one person and tell them, man, here's something that I see in you. Thank you for serving our church in this way. Can you can we do that? Like, I'm about to end, and before you walk out the door, do that. One person. And maybe pick somebody who's, like, a somebody who's not an, an obvious role. Okay? Don't tell me that. Pick somebody, pick somebody who's, like, the, the lung or something that maybe people don't see quite as much. And tell them and, and encourage them in those things. And if they're not here, then text them those things. Try, let's do that before we leave. So... This is, this is where we're at so far. At, at Noah Church, as, as, think, as thanks, saints together, uh, here's what membership looks like. Be, be a saint or, or, or believe um, and, and be baptized. That's, that's the first thing. Again, I mentioned this last week. If you don't, we still want you around. But, um, but your, your membership in the body is going to come to life. When, um, when you are truly a, a believer, a saint. So that, that's just the first step. We talked about that last week. Secondly, be together with us. That's what ecclesia church means, and koinonia sharing. Be be together. And then thirdly, and what we learned tonight is be your body part in this church. Father, would you help us to live this out, please? Um, we want to display Christ um, rightly. We want to grow in, in displaying him. And um, so would you help us to, in love, uh, speak to each other and work with one another uh, to build each other up and to become the, the fullness of the stature of Christ. And um, help us just as we process these things and think through these things personally and as we encourage each other in these things. May we look more like Jesus and may we uh, be more together in you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.